This morning we focus on our first dangerous prayer, Lord, search me. This was the very prayer that King David prayed in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Before we consider that prayer, let's pray. Dear Father, I pray that you will speak uh, to us uh, through your word. I thank you for the privilege that I have to share your message. But God, I pray that you will again help us to receive it as your word. May it speak to our hearts. May it speak to our minds. May it speak to our lives. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's only one man in Scripture described as a man after God's own heart. And it might surprise you who it is. The Apostle Paul reveals his name in Acts 13, verse number 22. Where it says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him that God testified. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do everything I want him to do. Now, please understand that David wasn't a perfect man, as as we all know. There were times that he failed God, and he failed God in a big way. But in his heart, he wanted to please God. And in his life, he wanted to do everything that the Lord wanted him to do. I don't know about you, but that's what I want for my heart and life. To please God and do everything he wants me to do. I believe that that should be all of our desires as disciples of Jesus. To please God and do everything he wants us to do. I also know that none of us will be able to do that perfectly. But that should be our heartfelt desire, just like David. Once a year, I go for a physical this year has kind of been different, but, but usually my, my physical with my primary physician, it's usually a, a fairly quick exam. Now, there have been times that she has uh, had some concerns, and so she has done a more thorough examination, and so additional tests, x-rays, blood work were done. I mean, she wants to keep me well, and I, I tell you, I, I want her to keep me well, David wanted to be well spiritually. And so in today's dangerous prayer, he pleads with God to give him a thorough exam. Look again at the prayer, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David isn't asking here for just a quick exam. He is asking the Lord to search him inside and out, to examine him completely, his heart, his mind, and his life. Of course, when you have a thorough examination, you're always wondering what they might find. As you lay there on the table for an x-ray, or or you take a, a CAT scan, Or even as you prepare for a colonoscopy, you're thinking about what they might find. But you know if they find something wrong. 
The earlier they discover it, the better they can treat it. I mean, this is equally true with the thorough examination that we do with God. The earlier he discovers what's wrong, the better he can treat it. The best choice, then, that you and I can make is to have a regular, thorough, spiritual examination by God. And David's prayer provides us with the framework of this examination. There are four parts to David's dangerous prayer. And so there are four parts to God's thorough examination. The first part is, Lord, search me. David begins his prayer, search me, O God, and know my heart. David wanted the Lord to fully examine his heart, to fully examine the unseen attitudes of his heart. Just just as the, the health of our hearts is key to our physical health, the health of our hearts, the health of our attitudes is key to our spiritual health. And we may think that everything is all right with our hearts. We may think that everything else is all right with our attitudes. Oh, I, oh I've, I've got good motives. I, I've got a good heart. I, I, I want to help people. I don't want to hurt people. I want to do what's right. I mean, that sounds like a good heart to me. But the purpose in this examination is to not determine what you and I think about our own hearts. The purpose of this exam is to determine what God thinks about our hearts. And let me share with you what God thinks about the human heart. It's found in Jeremiah 17, verse number 9, where the Lord himself said, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? We we may think that we know our hearts. We may think that our hearts are good and healthy, but God says they are evil and deceitful. And we can't do anything to change that. We can't cure that. We all have a sinful nature in us, even as believers. It is a self-centered nature that wants to do what we want and not what God wants. And we all struggle. We all struggle with this selfish, sinful nature all of our lives. There is always this constant voice in our hearts leading us from God and towards ourselves. And there is only one person that really understands all that. Only one person who can cure our selfish, sinful nature. And that one person is the Lord. Here's the principle I want you to remember. God is the only one who knows and can cure our deceitful hearts. That's the reason that David asked God to search him and know his heart. He's the only one who knew exactly what was wrong with David's heart. He was the only one who could cure what was wrong in his heart. And the same thing is true for our hearts. Don't you deceive yourself in thinking that you know what's wrong with your heart. Only God knows what's really in your heart. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And he's the one who can cure what's wrong in your heart. I like something that Greg Taylor said in his message at Second Church in Danville. He says, the only good thing about my heart is I have Jesus living in it. Without him, I am in real trouble. That's why we need to reveal, that's why we need God to reveal us the wrong attitudes that we have in our hearts. We need him to peel back the layers and see what we're really like on the inside. 
We, we need him to confront us with what's wrong that we might confess it. And we need him to help us right the wrongs. For without him, we are in deep, deep, deep trouble. And so we pray this first part of David's prayer. Lord, search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. The, the second part is, Lord, reveal my fears. Next, David prays, test me and know my anxious thoughts. God's examination begins with, with the, the attitudes that are in our hearts. And then he moves to the anxious thoughts that are in our heads. I wonder, what is it you're afraid of? Now, I'm not talking here about being afraid of heights or snakes or spiders or, or close-in places. Instead, what makes you anxious? What, what keeps you awake at night? What, what thought continually troubles you? I mean, maybe it's the spread of this coronavirus. Maybe it's another health concern for yourself or for a family member. Maybe it's your job or your lack of a job. Maybe it's a financial problem or a marriage problem. Maybe it's all the unrest that's in our nation. It can be a hundred different things and anxious thoughts have a way of robbing us of peace and joy. Don't they? David knew that. He had some anxious thoughts troubling his mind. I mean, he was the king of Israel. He had leadership responsibilities, and he had enemies who opposed him. And so David prays and asks God, test me and know my anxious thoughts. He wanted God to put him to the test, to know the fears and the anxious thoughts that hindered him. David knew if he was ever to overcome this fear and anxiety, he would need God's help. He could not do it. Without him. Here's another important principle worth remembering. It's one that comes from Craig Groeschel's book, Dangerous Prayers. Where we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. Let me say that again. Where we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. I mean, it's true. When, when we're worried about money problems, it reveals that we don't think God can be trusted, God can be trusted to provide for us. When we're anxious about a health concern, it reveals that we don't think God can be trusted to take care of our health or our family's health. I remember when Christy was critically ill with C. diff several years ago. I mean, there was a part of me that trusted God to take care of her. But I have to admit, there was another part of me that worried about her. That means there was a part of me that did not trust God and did not entrust God or entrust her to God. <laughs> There were two verses that I held on during that time, so I kept repeating them over and over again. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. David wanted to find peace in his troubled life. And so he turned over his anxious thoughts to God in prayer, and he try, and, and, and we need to try to do the same in our praying. Would you like to guess what is the number one command in the Bible? It is, do not be afraid. Do, do not be frightened. Fear not. I mean, that, those words are so easy to say. 
So easy to agree with and yet so difficult at times to do. Fear and anxiety can get the best of us. Let let me challenge your thinking a bit. There was one preacher who asked his congregation, what is fear and, and worry in the life of a Christ follower? And he told the congregation it was temporary atheism. Temporary atheism. There's a lot of truth in that. I want you to hear one more verse from the apostle Peter that, that he wrote in 1 Peter 5.17, a verse worth remembering. Real simple. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That, that's what David was doing in this dangerous prayer, casting all of his anxieties upon God, and that's what we need to do in our dangerous praying. We need this second part of David's prayer. Lord, reveal my fears. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And the third part is, Lord, uncover my sins. Next, David prays, see if there is any offensive way in me. He began praying, Lord, search my heart. Then then he prays, reveal my fears. And then he prays, Lord, uncover my sin. David begins praying about the wrong attitudes that might be in his heart. He moved to praying about the anxious thoughts that might be in his mind. And here he prayed for the sins that might be in his life. And he asked God to reveal his sin to him, to show him if there was any offensive way in me. You know, when we think of King David and sin, we immediately think of his sin with the married woman, Bathsheba. That eventually led to the murder of Bathsheba's husband to cover it up. These terrible sins were the result of some terrible choices. First, he wasn't where God wanted him to be. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that David was in Jerusalem that day when the scripture says kings usually go out to war with their army. Second, when he saw Bathsheba taking a bath, he didn't turn away and run like Joseph did with Potiphar's wife. Third, he let his sinful desires control his choices. That that selfish, sinful nature inside of him kind of took over. And fourth, David tried to cover it up. His sin led to deception, and deception led to murder. He thought that he had a perfect cover-up. No one knew. The problem is, is that we cannot hide our sin from God. And David did not hide his sin from God. The Lord knew what David had done. And the Lord sent a prophet named Nathan to confront the king. In the end, David confessed his sin. David found forgiveness, and he rejoiced in that forgiveness. But that wasn't his first choice. He he wrote in Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And then I acknowledged my sin to you, and and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. David's first choice was to keep silent about his sin and cover them up. And it didn't work. He would have been better off if he would have confessed his sin earlier and found forgiveness sooner. In this dangerous prayer, David doesn't want to repeat that same mistake. 
Instead, he asks God to show him if there's any deceitful, offensive, sinful ways in his life so that he might confess them and find forgiveness. And this is another critical principle for us. It is better to uncover sin and confess it than to cover it up. Unfortunately, that's not what we do with our sin. Sometimes we cover it up like David did. Sometimes we blame others for our wrong. I mean, it happened with the world's first sin in the Garden of Eden. Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent. And we do the same thing. We blame our spouse, our parents, our co-workers, our friends. We blame society. We can even blame God. In place of taking responsibility for our wrongs. We can ignore our sins, justify our sins, minimize our sins, when what we need to do is acknowledge our sins. Confessing them to God and having him forgive us. 1 John 1.9 says it so simply and clearly. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. David found that verse to be true for him, and we will find that verse to be true for us. That's why we need to join David in this third part of the prayer, Lord, uncover my sin. See if, if there is any offensive way in me. And then the last part of his prayer, Lord, lead me. David concludes, lead me in the way everlasting. David has asked the Lord to search him and expose the wrong attitudes in his heart. He he asked God to reveal the fearful and anxious thoughts in his mind. He asked God to uncover the sins in his life. And so in response to these requests, the Lord may have exposed some wrong attitudes in David's heart. He he may have exposed some fearful and anxious thoughts in his mind. He, He may have exposed some uncovered sins in his life. Now what was David going to do? With these wrong attitudes. What was he going to do with these fearful, anxious thoughts and his sin? He pleaded with God to lead him out of all of that. To lead him in his way, the way everlasting. David recognized something that we all need to recognize. If we're going to replace wrong attitudes with right attitudes. If we're going to to replace fearful thoughts with faithful thoughts, if we're going to replace sinful actions with right actions, it's going to take God. God leading us, God confronting us, God helping us, and God empowering us. The Apostle Paul had to learn that lesson the hard way. He was given what the Bible calls a thorn in the flesh, some physical ailment that hindered his life and ministry. And so he asked the Lord in prayer to take away this thorn, this ailment. But God did not do it. Instead, God wanted to use this physical ailment to teach him an important lesson. And we find the lesson in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. But he said to me, God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. One more important lesson. When we are at our weakest, we are at our strongest. This may be the most difficult lesson for us to learn. 
Because there is something prideful in us. Something in our selfish, sinful nature that says we can do it ourselves. We can live the Christian life ourselves. Oh, oh yeah, I, I've got some wrong attitudes, but, but I can take care of those myself. Oh, I've got some anxious thoughts. Boy, I, I can work on those myself. I, I've got some sin habits. I, I can change those myself. All of that is simply not true. We cannot do any of these things ourselves. What is true is that we desperately need God to do all of those things. We desperately need God working in our lives to become the people that he wants us to be. I know in the eyes of the world, we may look weak as Christians. I've heard them make that accusation of us. Man, you Christians, you need God as a crutch. Well, that's right. I need God as a crutch. We all do. But remember, when we are at our weakest, we are at our strongest. Because he is working in our life, reforming our hearts, transforming our minds, changing our lives, and leading us in his everlasting way. That's why David prayed this last part of the prayer, and that's why we need to pray it. Lord, lead me. Lead me in the way everlasting. That that brings us to our practical applications. What, What are we going to do? As a result of this morning's message. As a result of what we've learned from God's word. Before I share with you four action steps, I I want to share with you something that uh, Lori Epps posted on LinkedIn. She, she, She wrote this. She said, ponder this. If you don't apply information that you have learned within six days, 75% of it will be forgotten. Based on my personal experience, I'd agree. Based upon my personal experience, I'd agree also. If we don't apply the information that we have learned in this lesson this morning over the next week, most of it will be forgotten. As I've emphasized almost every week, we have to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. So so here are four things I'd like to encourage each of us to do this week. Number, Number one, write out David's dangerous prayer from Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Put it in your own words and pray that prayer each day this week. Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Number two, be be sure to pray each part daily. Lord, search me. Lord, Lord, reveal my fears. Lord, Lord, uncover my sins. Number three, as God begins to expose wrong attitudes, anxious fears, and sinful habits, ask him to lead you and help you. Lead, lead me in the way everlasting. <laughs> and then last of all, continue to repeat this prayer beyond just this next week. God changes us over a lifetime. Change for the Christian doesn't happen overnight. You know, when, when you come out of the, the, the baptism, it, you just all of a sudden don't change. It happens over a lifetime. But God wants to make us into the people that he wants us to be. There, there's an old song that kind of summarizes our message today. It's a song entitled, Cleanse Me. 
And the words of that song says, Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Let me pray that for you uh, this morning. Dear Father, we come before you. And, and we are aware of how much we need you. And how much we need you to work in our lives. And so we come this morning praying that you will search us. Search our, our hearts. Search our hearts for the wrong attitudes that may be there. God, we come asking you to reveal our fears. To, to reveal the anxious thoughts that keep us awake at night. Reveal those questions, those, those fears that disturb us so. And Lord, uncover Please uncover our sins. Uncover our sins. Make it confront us. Confront us uh, that, uh, again, uh, we might be your, your people. And so, God, I, I pray that you'll just be with us now. I, I pray that you will, again, bless our lives, that you will lead us in the way everlasting, that we'll come to you for your help, for your grace, and for your forgiveness. God, again, work in these moments, work in our lives. Lead us, direct us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. We, we thank you so much for listening this morning. And, and we pray uh, God's blessing upon your life and, and his blessing upon uh, the week ahead. And we look forward to sharing with you uh, next Sunday. God bless.